0: local talk weekday mornings the morning drive news talk
1: wvmt only one place yep just one. Oh, oh i'm one. glad i'm here <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are back everybody kurt anthony and yes you just you recognize that voice the former governor of the state of vermont jim douglas is in the house well good morning governor
1: great to be with you guys as always yeah.
2: Thanks
0: for coming up this morning. I uh, know the track well. Let,
1: well, yes. You can do it blindfolded, right?
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. sometimes it's safer that way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still driving the beat-up car that you used to be driving?
1: No, no. I I, I have a, a... Not that it was beat-up. No, it wasn't. Up. It was just small. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. In fact, I used to uh, trade a lot more frequently back in those days because I was commuting uh, 100 miles a day, plus a lot of other trips during the day or in the evening or whatever. So... Um I, I, I didn't keep cars as long as uh, as I might have. But now, the price of a new car, right? So, right. And I don't uh, drive as much, at least on a, a weekly basis. So the um, uh, uh, first thing is that uh, the boss said, you got to get a bigger car. You can't have one of those little, uh, you know... Things yes, and they're we fuel know, e-
2: and we know who the boss is. Yeah, that's right. The, they're, good yes, morning, they're, Dorothy. Yes,
1: <laughs> they're they're fuel efficient, but you know, uh, uh, yeah, no match for some larger vehicle if there were a problem. So so um, I've got a bigger car. Gas mileage isn't quite as so good, but uh, it's fine.
2: And so, you used to be referred to, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, as a uh, thrifty spender. <laughs>
1: well, well, just because, uh, you know, uh, dust comes out of my
2: wallet whenever I open it up. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to, Kirk. Well, there's something to be said for that. Well, well we like a thrifty, thrifty spender at a personal level and maybe thrifty as governor, too, in keeping right. things under control. There's nothing well, better.
1: Well, I think we were talking last time I was here about the fact that this is the centennial of the inauguration of my hero, Calvin Coolidge, and talk about thrift. Um, I mean, for eight years during the Harding and Coolidge administration, the federal debt actually went down. Uh, This year, it's going up by, what, a trillion three or something? Yeah. It's it's just bizarre. And he he reduced uh, federal spending. He reduced the number of federal employees. Uh, There's a famous story. uh, Sometimes they get, you know, enhanced. But um, that he, he said, every federal employee shall receive one pencil. And uh, only, (laughs) only when it gets so small that the employee is unable to use it, shall he be issued another one.
0: (laughs) I like (laughs) some credence to that. It's like, why waste that stuff? You know, exactly.
2: (laughs) The business of America is business. Well, you you got it. You got it. And you can go get by with small pencils. (laughs) Well, that's that's right. right.
1: (laughs) Now he fired the White House. uh, um, uh, housekeeper um, because he saw the the tab for food and he said uh, spending too much and so he uh, replaced her and there's a memo that says uh,
2: much more satisfactory. <laughs> oh my God. I love it uh, now I gotta ask you governor because this is something I've I've been kicking myself in the backside about for a couple months now. Must be which sore. Is, <laughs> yes uh, but it, it's for literally for years I, I had Visited the Coolidge Centered in Plymouth, Notch, uh, two or three years back. And it was a great experience. And then I had said, okay, when the 100th anniversary gets here, I have got to be here. And I didn't make it. You were noticeable by your absence. And I did not make it. So what was it? I saw you on the news and everything. Yeah. But what, was, what were the events like?
1: Well, it, it, we had a, a wonderful week, really. Um, uh, the, the highlight, perhaps, was the reenactment of the Homestead Inauguration on Uh, August 3rd at 2.47 a.m., just about the time uh, the storm was coming through and wiping out the streets of Middlebury, <laughs> I, yes. I was away. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, but it was, um, uh, we, we had other reenactments uh, at 2.47 p.m., for example, and C-SPAN was there for that one. They didn't get up in the middle of the night either. Uh, but I was surprised, pleasantly, that there were probably a couple hundred people there in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Yeah. And now some of them, I confess, were sort of conscripts because we, uh, at the foundation, at the Coolidge Foundation, have a scholarship program. Program and we had our semi-finalists there so we had uh, maybe you know, half the crowd were high school students but I, I met a political science professor from Ohio for example, who was there with this young kids and I thought, gosh isn't this a child abuse <laughs> you know? uh, but a bunch of locals from winter County were there and uh, and so we we did it and and um, uh, and the uh, uh, rejoice Sherry who's the director of the historic site allowed us to go into the uh, the actual uh, parlor where it happened, usually we do it on the porch, uh, yeah and um, uh, with the actual lamp and uh, um, so that was really neat. The, the only problem with that is uh, not everybody could see, so uh, she took the uh, the curtains off the windows, uh, threw up the sashes, and so some people could get up and take some pictures and then we moved out to the porch and did it out there again for the bigger crowd the bigger but, crowd but it was a great experience and For those who missed it, Kurt, um, (laughs) uh, every year on the Saturday nearest August third, we do a
2: reenactment at two forty-seven p.m. So you did it again on Saturday. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, And uh, did you? Were you so busy? I mean, with getting you were playing his father, right? Correct. So were you so busy with that? Because I can imagine you were that you weren't able to like stop for a second and just. Enjoy the the moment, like that. It, to me, that's what I think about. Is like a hundred years ago at this moment, right. Calvin Coolidge is getting the call, uh, or uh, not getting the call. They didn't have a phone right there, but he's getting the message uh, that he has suddenly become president of the United States. Did you have a? Were well, you able to stop for a second, and say just? I, I mean, the magnitude of that moment from a hundred years it, ago, right then.
1: Yeah, I did, and and here's why. Uh, first of all, uh, his great grandson Chris Jeter portrayed the president, vice president becoming president and and i could tell that for him it was really a very meaningful moment uh to stand there yeah. where his great grandfather had on the same spot uh same table same lamp uh and, and take the oath and um we wanted to make sure that the oath occurred at two forty seven a.m exactly and we were a little ahead of schedule <laughs> so <laughs> so i uh so we're kind of uh you know whispering to each other like I think we got two minutes to kill here. Yeah. Ah, what are we gonna do? <laughs> so, so you know, I, I'm somewhat of a ham when I have to be, right, Kurt? Sure. So, I, so, so I said, "Uh, uh, let's see now. Where is my copy of the Constitution?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably that's probably more
0: realistic. Probably the father's well, yeah. like. All right, wait a minute. Well, i <laughs> got, got to get my, my
1: notary stamp here so I can uh, fix it to the document. So anyway, I like we, the imitation
2: of just <laughs> dad, too. Yeah. Well,
1: we vamped for a minute or two, so, so it was... But I, to answer your question, Curry, yeah, I mean, uh, it was pretty... Because uh, usually we do it out on the porch, and this was in the parlor yeah. on the exact spot. So it it, it was a it's great sort experience. Of,
2: it's like the type of thing that yeah. sort of makes your hair, like, just the idea that you're right there. And that's why I'm so mad at myself, because... I'm not going to be at the 200th, <laughs> we'll save or, the 150th, or the 150th, the <laughs> 150th. Well, you may make the 125th. Come on. <laughs> Even that's pushing it these days, I'm sure. But um, before we get into some of the topics, should we grab a quick break first, Anthony? Or?
0: Uh, sure, let's do that. Hang on. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in... Uh, Just a minute here. You caught me off guard there.
2: sorry. Informed with your community. The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome back to The Morning Drive, everybody. We've got Governor Jim Douglas in the house with us. If you've got a question for the former governor, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888 414 Governor, um, lot of things to talk about with you with this this morning, but first, is there any update on the court case anything or is it going to is it going to be going on for a while?
1: The wheels of justice turn very slowly <laughs> i 'm learning uh, uh, so no the answer to your question is no uh, we 're in the phase now where the court asks the parties to develop a uh, more thorough uh, evidentiary um, um, presentation, so we'll we 'll pursue that. Um, he suggested but didn't require mediation. I'm certainly open to that if the uh, defendant is. um, But the answer to your question is no, nothing new, except I'm hearing from more and more people, alumni, largely, uh, who are very supportive of what I'm doing and uh, want to be helpful. And and so I I hope that 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 will continue. And I've met with some groups of them uh, who've invited me to to get together and talk about this. So there's a lot of interest. And what's fascinating is – it's not at all ideological because, um, well, you're not quite old enough to remember, but back in the '60s, uh, um, <clears throat> when Anthony was uh, knee-high to a grasshopper, um, uh, it was liberals who were shouted down during the Vietnam era, uh, yeah. the civil rights era, and so true classical liberals understand that this is a uh, this is a bad move, uh, and because what g- goes around uh, comes around. Um, so, um, and you know, I would also
0: think at some point the institution would realize that. Um, you think about all those other buildings that have been built since the 60s, okay? Uh look at like it's let's look at some of the sports complexes, let's look at uh the science buildings and 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 so when they turn to alumni to say, "Hey, we need x number of dollars to build this new this." They'll be like, "No, you know what? I watched what you did with the Mead family.
1: Mm.
0: I don't think I want my name on it."
1: I think i'm going to give my money somewhere else well you're exactly right in fact in the, in the meeting i had within the last week with a group of alumni one mm-hmm. gentleman said exactly that he said I, I i don't know what they're going to do to me after i'm gone so i'm going to give away my money while i'm alive um, and to somebody else uh, oh absolutely and and, and uh, this is a slightly a uh, side diversion anthony but uh, i talked with a dartmouth grad who's unhappy with a naming decision made over there and he's uh, he's quite elderly but uh, still very much with it and he said uh, i had a hundred thousand in my uh, will uh, as a bequest to dartmouth my alma mater i just changed it to five dollars and and the reason i didn't go to zero is i want to make sure that there's no contesting my will like oh it was an oversight and you know so i want it very clear that that was my intent
2: and as you, for, uh, for, for, oh, yes. I'm sure pretty much everybody knows what <laughs> we're t- pretty, pretty much everybody knows what we're talking about. But just to be clear, we're talking about Middlebury College changing the name from Mead Chapel because they didn't like something he said in the speech in like one line from over a hundred years ago about eugenics. And nobody's perfect. Um, and and as you've mentioned, Bill Maher calls it presentism, right?
1: Exactly right. Yeah, it was a couple of paragraphs in his farewell address in 1912. Uh, which had a whole lot more to it, uh, and, and I actually recently uh, reread his uh, inaugural message too. And and um, he he was a lot more than a couple of paragraphs in one speech. He was a physician and a leader in a very progressive causes in in the day. Uh, but the point is, when he gave the uh, building, he very specifically said, "And it shall be named quote Mead Memorial Chapel unquote." Uh, so pretty clear they took the money and the building on that basis so it's just uh it's really a a breach of faith and um the family the
2: descendants are understandably upset and and so am i and so are an increasing number of grads i don't blame the family i don't blame you and i don't blame the alumni they should be and i hope they more start speaking up about it because on top of uh on top of all that i just feel like don't they have feel like they have egg on their face with the I mean, the utter hypocrisy is Well, that, that's a of key the college.
1: Element here that's a key element, uh, Kurt. Uh, um, for 50 years, at least, from 1895 to 1945, they taught eugenics. And um, in 1908, according to the course catalog, you could not graduate from Middlebury without taking a mandatory senior class in which you studied defectives and degenerates. And by 1925, (laughs) uh, they decided to make it a mandatory freshman course. They wanted to indoctrinate them early. uh, And you had to study not only defectives and degenerates, but also delinquents. Um, So, uh, yeah, and they taught it. Even after the horrors of the Holocaust were were well known to the world, uh, Middlebury kept teaching this stuff for another three or four years. So you're right, Kurt, it's not just the deed itself. It's in the context of the college embracing it they had a conference on eugenics in 1913 there are quotes from some professors who went around and gave speeches about uh, how important it was to limit procreation of um, the feeble-minded um it, it, one of their presidents later on made a very disparaging comment about french canadians um you know it's just uh,
2: it's, it's hypocritical and that, was, of course, was long after Governor Governor Mead was long gone when they were doing that.
1: Well, and the, of course, the college points to the uh, uh, legislature's uh, resolution in 2021 apologizing for eugenics, um, which is fine. But uh, to your point, uh, all that stuff happened uh, more than a decade after he was dead and largely at UVM, frankly. And no one's defending any of this. Uh, right. That's not the point. Right. It's just uh, understanding uh, history and, and putting it in context and, and – being fair
0: mm-hmm. i think that's the most important part i do have a feeling though having watched the cycle a few times when you start talking to alumni and they start talking about their wills perhaps mediation may be in the future
1: well we'll see i'm certainly uh, willing um um I, yep. I don't i don't know we'll see Anthony. but yep. the, uh, the answer to your opening question is it's going slowly the wheels of justice turn slowly the governor has found that out
2: very clearly um in regard to uh, uh um what's i gonna say i lost my point um i, I want to ask you you about, won't make it to the 125th no i will not i don't think i'll make it anywhere close to that i'm I know losing I'm it. Not making it it's okay um what about uh so let's move on to some other topics What's your thoughts about the um, the speakers race last year? I mean, or that not the speakers race, but the fact that Speaker Kevin McCarthy uh, was voted out.
1: Oh last it's, I'm disappointed. I, of course, uh, statistically, uh, historically, the Republicans in 22 should have achieved a majority of 30 or 40 seats. Um, there there are formulae that uh, that make these projections based on the favorability rating of the president and. And um, some other uh, factors, uh, but they didn't. They had a very narrow majority, and have a narrow majority. So a, a small number of Republicans can call the shots, which they did last week. Um, as one member of the uh, 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 Republican caucus said, the overwhelming majority of us support Speaker McCarthy. Um, and, and you know, I don't. I, I guess I don't really understand the Democrats. I, I mean, they. Uh, I get it, they're the loyal opposition, they're quite partisan, but they could have prevented chaos if they wanted to, and they chose not to. They chose partisanship over bipartisanship, and so they certainly bear responsibility for this, too.
0: It plays right into their hands, though. I mean, when... They, they they're just making all the political ads for the 24 cycle you can just see it right. the sound bites everything it's it it's all just played right into their hands and and it's the republicans uh it, it is it literally there should have been a a wave if you will statistically even if you just look at it statistically uh, and obviously there wasn't and it's this thin majority minority uh, or thin majority and it plays into their hand they they basically are in my opinion, they've given away the House and the Senate by this by these actions it'll be it's an uphill battle now for the momentum to stay uh in the right direction
1: I, I, that's probably true anthony, but um you know the old saying uh a week is a lifetime in politics well the one
0: thing i've learned from from (laughs) sitting with kurt is he's like oh don't say that never say never and then you watch six months later something happens comes around i mean you know there's world events there's all these outside factors but it's pretty frustrating when when um one or two people can can sabotage an entire uh organization and You know, I just constantly say half a loaf is better than no loaf at all. Let's just have a conversation and just head in the in the in the in the direction that we need to go in. You know, the pendulum is swung this far and this far. It doesn't have to swing so far. There's 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 a big slice in the middle that really I think wants the same thing, and there are these outside factions that just constantly. The, the the tail is wagging the dog back and forth on both sides. It's, exactly it's right. pretty uh, frustrating.
1: Well, most Americans are fairly moderate and centrist, um, but uh, our politicians are not um, for reasons of redistricting and party uh, primary contests and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I often think uh, during these times of Ronald Reagan, uh, in two contexts, one, uh, to your your most recent point, um, he said, you know, it's okay to disagree with somebody on something, but um, let's keep it in context, because if, if you and I disagree 20% of the time, you're still my 80% friend.
2: Yeah. And,
1: and secondly, remember uh, Reagan's 11th commandment? Speak uh, no ill. Of another Republican, uh, I would say that hasn't been uh, adhered to very well in Congress lately either.
0: And the Democrats are much better at it. I mean, you can disagree wholeheartedly with Nancy Pelosi, but she had her thumb right on them. You didn't see the squad doing much of anything. Nancy shut them down. And well, uh, and that that's not the case with the Republican Party.
1: Well, we're, we're, and in a way, I admire that because republicans uh, are independent they right. use their
2: own uh, judgment and, and that's good um, to a point yeah now when we come back from the break we're going to hear more from governor douglas including we're going to ask him about um, we're going to read to him some comments from some of the democrats as to why they voted with the the small number of republicans see what governor douglas thinks about that and more on the speaker's race but also we're going to get his thoughts on what's going on over in israel uh, which is pretty scary. It's terrible, and we'll hear more from the governor on that, and a lot more. Yep,
0: we're going to take a quick break. Check in with Fox News, and man, it's got the headlines. We got the fork. This is The Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM six twenty. News Talk WVMT.
2: Dollar D O L L A R. Yes, he's got the money. he's got the, <laughs> <there you laughs> go. the word down.
0: The Somebody's going to win it. Could be you. It no, might as it well be, be. It might as well be <laughs>
2: Governor Douglas. No, it, yeah. it will not be. <laughs> it's okay. You know, nine he said percent he, inflation. He's thrifty. <laughs> <Yeah>. He's thrifty. <laughs> yeah. is, All that, right.
1: is that taxable income? <laughs> uh,
0: unfortunately, I think it is. we've got Governor Jim
2: Douglas <laughs> with us this morning. The Mackenzie Country Classic hotline is open triple eight four one four zero three zero three. We're talking about a lot of different things. We're going to continue a little bit about the speakers race from last week. Uh, we talked about the, the governor mentioned. Why every Democrat voted with the eight Republicans, the Gates eights, they're calling them the Gates eights, uh, eight. Um, So here's what one Democrat, and that is Becca Ballant. our own Becca Ballant from Vermont, said as to her reasoning, I want to get your reaction. She said the issues that were not dealt with on January 6th and in the days that followed are now coming to a head. This is a civil war within the Republican Party, and the extremists have been in charge and have owned this Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, from the time when he got enough votes to be Speaker. What do you say to that, Governor?
1: Well, it's pretty obvious that they sent the talking points around. Uh, coincidentally, I was uh, driving to a meeting in uh, Massachusetts this uh, uh, the end of last week, and uh, heard a uh, Massachusetts congressman use almost the same words. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, so they yeah. got the, me- the memo around. Um, but look at, at, at what they've done. Uh, we now have uh, uh, paralysis in the House um there's a lot of interest in getting an additional appropriation to help our israeli ally they can't do anything about that while they don't have a presiding officer they can't do anything else so um you know uh, the democrats had a chance to be bipartisan to uh, put their country first which is what speaker mccarthy did and why he took the hit uh, but they chose
2: to be partisan instead that's what Peggy Noonan, we got to call, we'll get right to you if you call her. But uh, that's what Peggy Noonan said in a great column she wrote last week. Basically, she took it to the Gates 8, and she gave a little tweak to Speaker McCarthy for agreeing to that rule that allowed him to be vacated. Uh, but then she gave it to the Democrats, too, saying they are no heroes here either. They right. could have stood up for the nation uh, and moved the country forward, and, and and it would have looked great instead of being petty and, and uh, going for the politics part of it.
1: I
3: agree with her.
2: Let's go to the phones. Good morning. you on the morning drive.
3: Hi, Governor. Um, I know that eugenics is a, a hot topic now in Vermont. I think there's a young Dartmouth graduate going around uh, with a new book called Vermont for the Vermonters. She must cover Middlebury College in depth in that uh, because they were so involved and complicit for so long, uh, as I read you stated in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, how did you find that book?
1: Well, uh, actually, uh, she doesn't um, talk about Middlebury, which is odd. Um, uh, there's one sentence in there, and I have read it, um, uh, that says so some colleges taught f- some of this stuff. <laughs> and that's about it. Um, so it really doesn't get into the uh, essence of what we've been discussing and the hypocrisy of the college and its uh, long involvement in in uh, eugenics um, for for literally a half a century and it would have been hard to do that a a Middlebury professor um, right after the episode in the fall of 21 uh, did a report actually a couple months later I guess that was in the college's newspaper uh, and uh, he concluded that uh, generations of eugenicists and eugenics supporters have to a large degree been trained at Middlebury College uh, so there's a lot of information out there, but she chose not to include any of that and, and instead made some uh, disparaging comments about Governor Mead. So it's uh, uh, it's disappointing. You know, I, I, I'm for transparency. I'm for letting people have their say. Uh, part of this whole debate is about free speech and, and canceling Governor Mead posthumously. So this author is certainly free to, to make her case. But uh, I, I don't think it really... Uh, Contributes
2: as much as it might have to uh, to a history of that era. And this is the point that I lost there back before the seven thirty break. I'm glad I just you came recovered. back. Yes, I recovered. Which is I had one last point on that, which is once you head down this path, wokeism, whatever you want to call it, and this is what Middlebury College is engaged in with changing the name of Mead Chapel because of something a couple of lines in a speech a hundred years ago and they did much worse, there's no end to that path, right? I mean you have when we head down that path now you have schools in different places that say we've got to remove the name of abraham lincoln incredibly and george washington there is no perfect human being
1: exactly right and i I think i mentioned when i was here before this um, book by anthony cronman the yale uh, legal scholar who said uh, everybody's legacy is mixed and uh and and i would add to that now that we've all got uh, uh devices where every comment or thought or tweet can uh, be preserved forever it's going to be more mixed for for a lot of people but he said we should consider a person's dominant legacy and 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 not uh, pick out his or her worst moment and rush to judgment on that basis i think that's exactly right um you know I, i i i'm Obviously, a Coolidge fan, and and uh, Amity Schles, who wrote the most recent biography of Coolidge about nine years ago, said even great people have warts, and, and and you can find one or two about Silent Cal too in a comment he made that doesn't resonate so well today. But look at the overall contributions of someone to society, and I think if you look at Governor John Mead, someone who supported. Um, women's suffrage and uh, tough child labor laws and campaign finance disclosure and clean energy and who is thought to be progressive enough to be President Taft's running mate in 1912, uh, an opportunity he declined. Uh, I think and the jobs he created, the businesses he started,
2: I think you have to conclude that we're lucky to have had him. It kind of reminds me when you talk about everybody, people should be judged on the totality of their career and their life or whatever, not the worst moment of, You might remember uh, George H.W. Bush being interviewed by Dan Rather, and Rather kept pushing him on Iran-Contra. And I think at some point Bush responded and said, you know, you're looking at the one moment of my career. How would you like it, Dan, if we looked at the moment when you walked off the set on CBS on live TV? I don't think you'd like us centering on that one moment of your career. (laughs) (laughs) Point
1: well made. Exactly
2: right. Exactly. Now, Oh, go ahead.
0: Anthony. No, I was just going to agree. I was going to say when you start to see people, what I like about a conversation like this is when 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 people like Bill Maher, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, they're they're on they're they're far, far liberal person. They're like, wait a minute. This is craziness. You know, it's, it's not it, it's not a, a, a it doesn't come from one political background. You don't have to be you know, conservative or liberal to you just have to really step back and say, whoa, slow down.
1: Exactly right, Anthony. I, I mentioned earlier that a lot of the alumni who've reached out to me are are uh, Democrats, they're liberals, uh, but as I say classical liberals who were in college during the anti-war civil rights era where uh, people on their side of the debate were shouted down and and, and uh, there were attempts to cancel them, and, and uh, I, you know, I'm not particularly uh, an a fan of mr marr but um but i listened to that clip where he talked about presentism and of course he's very good at uh, making his point he, he he said i i don't understand how how those people way back then could be so stupid <laughs> I, uh, you know, fortunately we know so much now and we can apply <laughs> our own standards to it but you know history keeps moving on and uh perceptions change values change and and we have to judge people based on their own era and uh, what the standards of the time were. That's that's
2: the only fair way to do it. I think we're going to look back at this period of time uh, as a sad chapter in regard to free speech at some point.
0: Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: Good morning, Governor Douglas. You've been critical of Middlebury for not being transparent around, some, uh, um, around this decision and stuff like that. So I'm wondering, in the spirit of, transpar- in the spirit of transparency, Who's paying for this lawsuit is it you is it the family or is it an outside group it's
1: the family uh the descendants and they're not uh, they're not wealthy um most of them are uh, uh retired uh, physicians retired teachers um um uh, so th- they're not people of means but uh they're people of passion mm-hmm. and um, one of the descendants said to me uh, recently uh, i don't care if i end up in a homeless shelter i'm going to spend every dime i have on this uh, suit to to clear my ancestor's name so um uh the family um uh exclusively are, are footing the bill at this point uh we've had other offers uh from uh from um um people um alumni and others uh we haven't uh, or the family hasn't reached out to them yet but it's possible if it goes on uh and those, uh, uh, those bills keep mounting that, um, that we'll take them up on it. But the answer to your question is, at this point, it's,
2: it's all the descendants. Now, Governor, uh, next week, Congresswoman Ballant will be on the show with us. We'll get a chance to ask her some of these questions. But I want to give you one more quote from her, and this is one where she is agreeing with Matt Gates and the eight that voted against Kevin McCarthy. She and all the Democrats joined with the eight Republicans. So let's uh, – she, she says – Speaking of Kevin McCarthy, he has broken every promise and commitment he has made, not just with us, but with the president and with members within his conference. And so how can we possibly support this man when he has given us no reason to do so? Well, I don't know about these
1: alleged broken promises. Um, um, uh, I just can't comment on that. But um, he was elected to a two-year term. Uh, you know, it's, just a, it's like uh, states around the country where there are recall elections. And I remember uh, Governor Walker, whom we've had on this show, uh, was the subject of a recall vote in Wisconsin. And a lot of Democrats at the time said, I didn't vote for him for governor. I don't really like him. But but he was elected to a term, and he's entitled to finish it. And I, I think the uh, better debate would have been a couple of years from now when um, uh, Speaker McCarthy was up for
2: reelection, Then they could reassess isn't it a terrible precedent to set? I think so. To move the Speaker? Because, I mean, now what if a, a Democratic Speaker's there and they don't, you know, that happens, Republicans are all going to, you can always find something to quibble about with the Speaker.
1: Correct, especially if um, folks uh, didn't want him there in the first place, which is obviously the case in uh, with some members of Congress or uh, members who have uh, other political ambitions and want to get a lot of publicity. Um, you know, whatever the motive might be, uh, I think you're right, Kurt. Uh, this could be a precedent that leads to even uh, greater chaos
2: in the future. Do you think the Democrats will like Jim Jordan better than Kevin McCarthy well, I, if that's what it ends up being?
1: I have had the same thought. I mean uh, and it may well because uh, you know uh, former president Trump has a lot of influence in the caucus. He's endorsed uh, Chairman Jordan.
2: Um I, I, <laughs> you be careful what you wish for. Kevin McCarthy's not going away quietly. He's still a member of the of of Congress and in fact he got the uh, office that Speaker Pelosi had. he that was in that office that's funny (laughs) um but he has come out with a very strong statement about what's going on in israel and i want to get your thoughts on that in just a moment here he's come out with a very strong statement he said we had better be very careful with we just saw what happened in israel uh this attack where the intelligence this got by intelligence we better redouble checking on our own intelligence and was also telling everybody we also have this situation on the border where people are flowing through, and we don't know who a lot of these people are. There may be sleeper cells, and he is warning us this could happen here.
1: Well, it, it certainly could, uh, and, and it ra- raises an even bigger question. Maybe he didn't get to this in his statement, but it's, I think it's implied. Um, America, America's uh, um, uh, strength over time has been its strength. Um, You know, I think of when Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980, uh, the Iranians didn't want to mess with him, so they released the hostages on uh, Inauguration Day, Um, and uh, if the President of the United States uh, uh, is strong, uh, makes it clear that uh, he or she means business and isn't going to put up with being pushed around, uh, then I think the world will take notice. But when we um, uh, have a clumsy, um, uh, lethal withdrawal from Afghanistan, for example, and uh, or when uh, the, f- the most recent uh, Democratic president uh, drew a red line in the sand and then crossed it, um, uh, the world takes notice. And so I, I, I think the the weakness of the uh, federal
2: administration is, is part of this problem, and uh, uh, that's not going to change for a while. And do you think, because along with the statement that McCarthy made, um, he also said that where he had not said this before, he changed and said as a result of this, what's going on, this crisis – and the need to take action, Um, he said, I would consider coming back as Speaker if the caucus decide they want me. Do you think there's any chance that they would go back and put McCarthy back in?
1: (laughs) Uh, I have no idea. I mean, it it, uh, would seem to require either uh, some Democratic votes, um, which... Doesn't seem likely. No, I guess not, because they vote like, uh, um, well sheep yeah okay uh, i'll say it. Uh, okay. go with that i'll go with it uh, fill in the the noun here yeah <laughs> that could be the uh the magic word someday um or it might be. or peeling off uh, a handful of the uh, dissonant republicans um uh, i i think that would be a good outcome personally um i think he, he seems like a great guy i've never met him but um seems like uh, he did a good
2: job uh navigating a very very difficult path uh, with a narrow majority we've got a call i want to ask you one more quick thing on this When Beckett Ballant says that we can't trust him in anything, he didn't work with us, isn't the reality that McCarthy, the ultimate thing that cost McCarthy his speakership, was that he cut a deal with them? Exactly
1: right. Exactly right. As he said, uh, uh, you know, if this costs me my job, so be it. Um, The country is more important than than politics. And I admire that.
0: Uh, Yeah, that on the heels of him saying
1: when Nancy Pelosi said, uh, you know, I think
0: McCarthy's best moment was his... Press conference afterwards because he was very candid and and he said well Pelosi said don't worry about it we'll back you up
3: can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see so that with the bank huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive
3: hi good morning hey, you know McCarthy promised to release the January 6th tapes as part of his reason for being elected the the the, uh, the House to the uh, leadership of the House he's refused to do that. Trump was making great inroads in revealing the deep state in this country, and I think that's very important that those tapes be released. The only safe document in Washington seems to be Epstein's client list, which should also be released. But doesn't anybody think that the fact that Pelosi was uh, kept, was kept uh, kept her separate office for a longer time than normal? Don't you think that was maybe because she had something on on um, the speaker, like the uh, allegations of the the affair he had back in 2015 or the shady stock deals that that were about to be revealed and then all of a sudden they disappeared and I think they were put in Pelosi's back pocket and I think she hung on to that office and she kept that that list from being revealed. She, she's kept January 6th tapes from being revealed, I think, because what you're going to see in there is mostly her daughter and her film crew making money off of CNN recording this thing. I mean, I just think, it goes back to the basics that Trump was about to reveal the dark state.
1: Well, we'll see if uh, the former speaker reveals anything now. I mean, she's been kicked out of her office. If she has
2: some information, maybe uh, we'll we'll learn about it. But I think that, that was that was part of a history, is that the speaker gets that little primo office there that's in a little
1: the, the former speaker you mean yeah, the former speaker
2: yeah. yeah i think that's that's i think oh. that's been a tradition that they had because there have been former and, speakers still and, in the house in the past you're right and when we Aster's. talk about to me when you talk about a speaker um there are so many issues that a speaker has to navigate that some oh they didn't do this they didn't do that and we wanted them to do that but a speaker that has a four or five vote majority has a very thin line to walk don't they
1: oh i think so um uh, even a speaker with a big majority has 434 yeah. other ego uh, yeah. colleagues uh, to, <laughs> to try to deal with so but especially because of the narrow narrow nature of it yeah it's not an easy job and uh, it seems to me on balance uh, speaker mccarthy did uh, did just fine
0: all right well let's go back to the phones good morning you're live on the morning drive
3: Good morning. This may sound a little off the wall, however, the last caller mentioned Jeffrey Epstein. He's still alive.
0: Oh, really?
3: I, I'm i telling you, after they said he had died, it was a couple of days later, I was in Hannaford, in St. Austin's, in the produce section, and I turned around and we almost walked right into each other. Well, I was so shocked. Okay. And I just looked at him because he was shocked because I recognized who he was. We've never seen a body. We've never seen any kind of funeral. You, you, there are no pictures of anybody. There's no proof that he's actually dead.
0: And you saw him in Hannaford's and St. Albans?
3: I did, honest to God. I know it sounds crazy, but no, I did. All right, Governor, yeah. do you want to?
2: You have any reaction to
3: that?
1: No, but, of course, there have been Elvis sightings. Uh, <laughs> As well. Uh, I I read an article uh, somewhere where, that said that uh, um, there are five or six people somewhere in the world who look
2: exactly yeah. like each one of us. Doppelgangers. Yeah. yeah so um, a lot of people do look alike. I'm just going to say I'm sorry to the guy who looks like me out there somewhere. I know. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Or how about the guy who looks like Epstein? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Now, Governor, before, we've only got a few minutes left um can you comment on what is going on over the the hamas the palestinian terror organization this awful attack in israel how worried are you that this could lead to i hate to use the word but world war three well um
1: I'm, I'm glad that uh the statements from the federal officials have been clear that we're going to back our ally um uh, israel um this was a, a premeditated, unprovoked attack. I I understand that for 70 or 80 years there's been tension in that part of the world, a lot of uh, uh, controversy and um, uh, uncertainty about um, certain pieces of real estate and and governance, but uh, there was uh, no excuse for this. And and, um, um, as Prime Minister Netanyahu said uh, within just the last few hours, we didn't start this war, but we'll finish it. And uh, I'm surprised in a way that there was uh, this attack because they have to understand the strength of of the Israeli military and and their resolve. Um, so I think they're going to feel it. I,
0: I I I think about that and then I question. You know, uh, uh, years ago I uh, um, this is I, I spoke with some folks who grew up in in the area and 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 uh, they they grew up in Beirut. Okay, and they said you have to understand that you folks in the West think in such short terms. We think in generations. We think hundreds of years, okay, and plan and planful, hundreds of years, because the goal is to eliminate Christianity or Western civilization from the planet. And it wasn't a, a, an outrageous conversation. It was, this is just, there's two different ways of thinking. And I'm like, okay, so I try to put myself in their position. It's like they're obviously going to get clobbered. You're waking a, a sleeping giant. But the question is the timing of it, and why now? And I, and I think, you know, just being an armchair quarterback, there's a lot of this going on. I think that, that, that um, um, the U S is spread pretty thin. We do have a leader that that is pretty, pretty weak Mm -hmm. and we have created an environment. You can agree or disagree with Trump's energy policy, but it worked. Mm -hmm. There was no money in the Middle East. Now there's all this money and all this control again. And, uh, look at what we're seeing.
1: That may, be, that may be true. And who knows what other uh, um, countries, Iran, for example, might uh, might do to join the cause. I mean, they're having a lot of internal strife there. They might like to have a foreign involvement to distract everybody. Oh,
0: it would be it would perfect timing. Let's go to the uh, phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive.
3: You know, the reason it's now is pretty obvious. It's the same reason Putin did what he did now. It's
1: because we have a government in disarray. We have a president that doesn't know where he is. And we have progressives running the show in Washington that are entirely focused
3: on climate change. That's the emergency that they're focused on. The rest of this is just background noise.
2: Governor, yeah. there's a lot of truth to that, right? Yeah,
1: and it's mm-hmm. consistent with what Anthony just said. Uh, uh, and, and what I said a few minutes ago, that if the American uh, uh, leader is seen as strong, then that will be respected and people will take notice around the world. And right now, um, you know, I, I mean, I worked with Joe Biden when he was VP. I was chairman of the National Governors Association. Uh, he's a good guy. But uh, there's been a real change in his capacity
2: over the last decade, and, and I think it's showing. And, Governor, at a time like this, it would seem like everybody would come out with... I mean, who could not come out with a, a statement condemning this, no matter what you think? But Republicans have their Marjorie Taylor Greens and, and uh, Matt Gates, et cetera, like that. But the Democrats have the squad, too. And Ilhan Omar has just elicited rage from a lot of her colleagues as she said she doesn't want to give any aid to Israel right now. And she said further that if Israeli... Um, Coming back in a, any kind of retaliation would be considered a war crime if Israel came back and retaliated. Well,
1: well, on the contrary, I would think the head of Hamas might be called to account at the International Court of Criminal Justice. Um, you know, I, I, obviously, uh, the Democrats have uh, uh, some uh, minority views, too, and they're free to express them,
2: but I don't think it's where most Americans are. I mean, she and a, and a couple of others of the squad me come across as anti-semitic
1: well clearly and i think um there was a case within the last couple of years where one of them was was called on that quite specifically in the in the u.s
2: house absolutely governor jim douglas as always an Time hour flies. just flew by thanks for being on the morning drive
1: thanks for having me guys yeah. we'll see you again soon
0: It's always a good time. Well, thank you for coming up. Um, We're going to take a uh, quick break. We're going to check in with ABC News. We've got the local headlines. Dollar. Dollar. There you go. Go to our (laughs) website. And when we come back, we're going to have a little fun. Kurt and I have picked our favorite Doobie Brothers songs. And if you can figure it out, you might get a gift certificate to Papa Franks. Keep it right here.